0: Olivia, how you doing?
1: I'm good. Welcome to Women, Magic, and Power, everyone.
0: Thank you so much for listening. This is going to be our season finale.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's the last one.
0: But there will be lots of interesting things to come. Don't worry, listeners. So we will keep you posted.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, Liz. The truth is, we call it seasons, but there's not really an order to
0: how these seasons start and end. It's completely arbitrary. (laughs) 110%. 110%.
1: It's motherhood and life for you.
0: um Today we have Maddie Walsh. Yes, we loved chatting with Maddie. She comes all the way from
1: Ireland to our podcast. Mm-hmm. I love an international sesh.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's such a traveler. I traveled with her just listening to her talk.
0: Yes, Maddie is a traveler and Maddie is a healer. And, mm-hmm. Um, She has a lot of really interesting things to say and a good perspective.
1: I agree. She worked hard to achieve and is still achieving her osteopathy degree. And we can't wait to chat more about that with her in the future. But for now, enjoy her story.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome to Women, Magic, and Power. We have Maddie with us today. Hey, Maddie. Hi, ladies. How are you doing? We're, we're good. doing pretty well. We're watching <laughs> the snowfall outside. It's very peaceful. Here it is, and we're home. But Maddie is in Ireland, which is five or six hours ahead of us, right?
2: Five hours ahead, and it's cold and snowing and icy, but not as cold um, as you guys.
0: So we're all here in the depths of January. That's right. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Blue Monday only a few, a few last week, I think. So it's it's uh they say it's the saddest day of the year. So that was last Monday.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I'll that. buy that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We I did not know about Blue Monday, but yes, we'll support Blue Monday. Yes. Does that give you like free range to be sad? Is that like a thing or it's just a lot of
2: mental health awareness and allowing people to kind of just acknowledge is like january is difficult and there's like a thousand days in january sometimes and it's just trying to get through the slog of it so it kind of brings awareness to it but i think it's an international blue monday day that they they regarded as
1: i think that now that you're talking about this i don't remember it so much here but for sure i've heard about it in sweden which Mm -hmm. you know it's even darker Mm -hmm. and longer like yeah for sure
0: so Manny, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and kind of like how you grew up and if religion or spirituality was involved in your childhood in any kind of way. So I am
2: one of three. So I have two older brothers. They're regarded as Irish twins. So there's 11 months between them and then five and six years between me and the boys. We grew up Catholic family. So I grew up in West Cork um, for so I was there for about 17 years before I moved, but we grew up as a Catholic family, um, going to mass and everything. But I kind of moved away from the Catholic church definitely in my early 20s,
1: and it was more like what you needed to do just culturally, oh, it,
0: it, was, it
2: was compulsory, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, get
2: to Sunday mass, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have any grow for it, which means I, I wasn't fully drawn to it. And there was a lot of conflicting, I suppose, issues in regards to how I felt life and their ethics were and all this. So um, it wasn't for me. So for me, I was then started traveling from the age of 17 onwards and was out of Ireland for the guts of seven years, came home every now and again, but predominantly was away.
1: What were and you doing that kept you away?
2: So my, my, I suppose I wasn't in school. I found out in my 20s I was dyslexic, but in school I struggled because it wasn't discovered when I was in school. Mm -hmm. And then I had to, because of exams and everything like that, I ended up going to two different schools and doing my finals twice and repeating. And it was just kind of morally destroying for me. And then I was like, I'm done with school. I'm not going to college. Good luck. And I went working down in the south of France, in the Mediterranean, on private mm-hmm. yachts. So my brother was a captain on private yachts.
0: Nice.
2: And then I went working down there and I forgot to come home. So <laughs> I mean, was I would forget th- too. And it's a culture shock as well, you know. I was brought up in a small community and I would have done a bit of traveling. But that would have been like family holidays, So then when you're actually traveling by yourself, and I was 18, 18 and a half at the time, and then you're going to see a whole different side of the world. And you're meeting people that are like very well-to-do. You're meeting all walks of life, all different nationalities, understanding different cultures, different religions and perspective and people's even perspective of a word I found fascinating. How much um, older
1: is your brother than you? Six years. So he's the captain. Did he say, hey, come over, come over here, I have a job for you when you were done?
2: So he the the boat he worked on, women weren't allowed to be employed because it was Saudi-owned. Hmm.
0: So... Oh.
2: He was captain of that boat. So I went down and I was going down to get work experience. And then I went um, and found kind of like you start off kind of doing day jobs and then you get recognized for being a good worker kind of thing. And then you can actually land yourself a contract and charters. So then, yeah, it was just a completely different world and a a great experience. But it's like you work so, so hard, but you also get to travel. And that was just like feeding my soul. So that the was travel, it was amazing.
0: Where are some of the places you got to go?
2: So I started off in the Mediterranean. I was there for two med seasons.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so all around the d'Azur, the Amalfi Coast, Croatia. And then nice. also I got to do a Caribbean season. So we did a transatlantic mm-hmm. and then went over to the Caribbean, the BVIs and That's did all the insane. islands.
1: How was the transatlantic?
2: It was really good. It was smooth. We were in a 71 meter motor yacht, so it wasn't, wow. we yeah. weren't bopping around yeah. the ocean. I think the most spectacular trip that I had, I was over in the Seychelles on a sailboat. So that was only 30 meters. We flew over to the Se- Seychelles and mm-hmm. then we did a trip back to Antibes in the south of France, up through the Suez Canal. So wow. we got oh, to cool. sail as opposed to motor. That was fascinating. And fishing, of course.
1: And did you have a nice captain? Because captains can be bananas.
2: Yeah, well, I discovered chefs more so.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, Uh, I've dealt with both.
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes if the boat is large, you don't get to have any interaction with the captain, you know? So there'd be, like, say, 15 crew members. So if it's a small boat, then there's only four crew members. So there was a deckhand and then I was stewardessing. But you were also, you rope in, and you everyone saw all hands on deck so i was deckhand as well and then there were the captain and the chef were husband and wife mm-hmm. so they was that was their lifestyle that was their job you know but it was fascinating I really really the original enjoyed below rating.
1: deck right <laughs>
2: <laughs> my experience was like so we were very blessed in the regards to like so we had a charter and then after the charter is done we get to use the jet skis and we get to use all the water toys and we get to use the diving gear and you know like that's phenomenal experience you don't get to you do that like you would pay thousands to even go to some of the places that I've been to yeah yeah so really
1: privileged
0: how many years did you do that about three and a half
2: years three and a half nearly four years on and off
1: I mean and you're in your early like late teens early 20s it's it's a fantastic time to do it What a freedom, what a way to open your mind. So what happened next?
2: After that, then I wanted to, I think with working on yachts, seeing how pretentious one side of the world can be Mm -hmm. and working in that industry, it was the right time for me to leave because like say my perception of money would have been a bit skewed in regards to like, I was so young making so much money then it was kind of like the morals weren't there in regards to how they would perceive life or how they would treat us sometimes. And I didn't... Yeah, I just, I suppose, had enough. And I wanted to do solo traveling. So I went and packed my bag and I booked a year trip around the world and started off in... And this is where my love for complementary therapies and holistic therapies came from. I always had a huge interest in them but then I went traveling and I moved to India for about four months and I studied Ayurveda and then I went backpacking and then that continued then over to Thailand and studied Thai massage and traveled and then went to Cambodia and the fascinating thing about Cambodia was I was there 11 years after my dad was there. So my perception of Cambodia was really different to him because he was there with the UN and I was backpacking. So very different times. And there was a lot of places he couldn't go to that I could. So it was fascinating. And then from there, I went to New Zealand for six months. My brother was down there living there. I stayed there for six months and I went dairy farming. And I went sheep shearing and I worked in a bistro. I
0: love and
2: this. Did lots of hiking and swimming in glaciers and mm, every type wow. of adventure you can have, I did bungee jumping and canyon swinging. Now, would I do Who's it now? Canyon swinging. <laughs> canyon swinging is jumping as if it's a bungee jump, but instead of going straight down and up, you're going into a huge arc. Oh,
0: I've seen this! Oh my god! And then you're being pulled back up. That sounds amazing and terrifying. That sounds terrifying. Um, so wait, can we can we go back for a second? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your experience in India and a little bit about what Ayurveda is?
2: I went to India just fascinated with um holistic therapies, and Ayurveda stood out to me hugely. So then I was like, said to mom and dad, "Okay, bye, going to India." And that was my like. I no one in my family or anything ever heard of Ayurveda.
1: Did they say okay, bye, good luck, or was there any resistance?
2: They were kind of like, "Are you sure? Do you want to go?" They were like, they knew I was a free spirit, and I would, um, you know, I'm I'm a safe solo traveler. You know, you mind your p's and q's. You do your homework. You make sure that you have your lift from the airport going to your first destination. You get your bearings about a place. But you can also submerge yourself into the culture and experience it safely. So that's kind of how I would go to a country and really nicely get a feel for it. But I suppose everyone, when they first arrive to India, gets the deli belly. Mm -hmm. And you get a little bit sick. But the food was phenomenal. After a while, I did start smelling of curry. Um, (laughs) But that is part of it as well. And, but we were eating curry for breakfast, lunch and dinner in the Ayurvedic place I was and Ayurvedic is, it's not so much a therapy as it's a lifestyle. So it is in regards to your body constitution. There's different ways of measuring which constitution you are. And they're divided then into Vata, Pitta and Kapha. So you can be dominant in one more than the other. And what you're trying to do is discover what you are currently and where you should be. So you have a scale and you can just try and balance it to what you need to be. Um, It's fascinating.
1: And you get there through food,
2: right? Through food, through therapy, through supplements, depending on the ailment, depending on what is imbalanced. Because sometimes it could be the season. So someone who is a dominant vata would suffer with the cold more than someone who's kapha and i'm dominant in the kapha side of things but i still am not pleasant
0: with the cold (laughs) (laughs) who were you studying with what kind of place was it
2: it was an ayurvedic center so they had ayurvedic doctors they had ayurvedic treatments so we're learning different abhyangas which is sanskrit so you have to basically learn sanskrit to study Ayurveda. I probably know Sanskrit better than I know Irish, realistically. But it's one of these things where you just submerge. It's mind, body and soul. It really takes everything in. And it's one of the most healing modalities that I've ever practiced. But then trying to implement that back home in Mm -hmm. Ireland is next to impossible. Mm. People wouldn't be as open to trying the herbs that you would need to help balance x y and z or even having the daily routines so daily routine is massively important the morning and the nighttime. and there's three or four things that you would need in each and unfortunately people are like oh I didn't do it this week but I'll start next week so that's more kind of the mentality when you bring it back home so I kind of it didn't come into my own practice over here but I still use it even just to help kind of, say, identify different bits and pieces for people?
1: I tried. I didn't try. I was going through some health issues and I went to see this lady that did acupuncture and she did Chinese medicine and it kind of has this same thing where it looks into like the herbs and what you eat and the routine in the morning and the evening and whatever. And I can say, and I'm someone that if you tell me you have to follow these rules, I will follow those rules. And I did it as long as I could. And then I was like, I can't do it anymore. Like, if you tell me again to have rice with cinnamon in the morning, (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) It's not something that we do. And so it was, it was hard to change. So I can see how people would be like, okay, it was great. But can I go back to my mash and bangers? (laughs) I'm done.
2: And it's like, they have quite a plain diet in Ireland as well. And like, I have my, my palate is international. Um, Japanese food is my favorite. But even in the town that I live in now, there's only one Japanese restaurant and it only opened a few months ago.
1: (laughs) Oh, how does it feel like now after traveling all over the world to be in a country, in a town that only has the one Japanese place that just opened? Well, I've been home
2: about seven years, six years. After all my traveling, I came home and studied to be a health carer. So I worked in a nursing home for a couple of years and then I went away again for a year to Australia stayed with my brother that was in Australia for a year. And I just did kind of admin jobs and just kind of secretarial jobs, really, um, for part-time work. But I wasn't able to get my second year visa because I was too old. And in the visa office, they said, well, you have two options. You either get a degree or you get married to an Australian. I'm like, well. So I came home, searched a degree that would be fitting into my life. And then I came across the only osteopathic college in Ireland, and I'm in my fourth year of five years. So then I will have a lot more freedom than to be able to do, say, work in Ireland for X amount of time and work abroad as well, because that's ideally what I would love to do.
1: So you want to go back to Australia?
2: Australia, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, New Zealand.
1: So the traveler in you is still there. You didn't finish that not that you have to finish no. that chapter but you're like this is who i am i want to i want to keep doing this i want to keep moving
2: around 100% like i just came home a few weeks ago from abu dhabi and oman and kenya and i was away wow. for a month and that was like oh man i cannot speak more highly about it it's a fascinating country and you can do everything from swimming with turtles to whale sharks swimming in caves and it was just the best holiday and then my brother lives in Abu Dhabi so that's kind of like a base and more of a home feel and then we went to Kenya because my sister-in-law is Kenyan so we spent Christmas with her and her family so it was um the travel is never has never left me but finishing college is what's keeping me here
0: (laughs) you're playing the long game right because yeah absolutely giving yourself the means to be able to live the life you want through staying put now and doing your work, yeah, hundred percent.
1: All this traveling and visiting all these different cultures—have you picked up also besides the Ayurvedic or you know the Thai massage? Did you pick up any other sorts of spiritualities or religions or any kind of things that speak clearly traveling speaks to your soul? But is there any other connection to a higher power?
2: Absolutely. I was always really divinely guided and protected when I was on any of my travels. That's um, 100% clear and even looking back more so, I was like, wow, I really was. So I went to India by myself and the only other person that was on the course with me was another Irish woman. And we became best friends, no doubt, but she taught me so much. So India taught me a lot but she taught me an awful lot because she was Buddhist. Um, and so she really introduced me to Buddhism and mm-hmm. to just seeing things outside because she had the strict Catholic upbringing as I would have had as well. She definitely opened my eyes and understood me. So she was able to guide me in a way that was, we were seeing from the same lens, you know? Yeah. And then we went... Our separate ways for a while and then i discovered vipassana meditation so vipassana meditation is 10 days of silent meditation and you don't make eye contact with anybody you eat very basic food you're up at 4am in the morning and you're meditating and i found
1: Hmm.
2: i'm getting a little bit emotional but it's
0: that was a real changing point for me yeah (laughs) I believe it, that that kind of immersion into a meditative space is incredibly powerful. Hugely.
2: You learn so much about yourself. Um, but funnily enough, not talking was one of the easiest things about the 10 days. But being with your own thoughts and understanding why things are, that's, that's a very interesting thing to do.
1: And this was while you were in India?
2: Funnily enough, no. I was, uh, you can do vipassanas all over the world. I did the vipassana when I went to New Zealand after my India trip. I was checking out the vipassanas when I went over to visit my brother. And I did this one in particular. And it was, it was very interesting because three days into it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, my cousin passed away. Mm. But I kept getting visions of my granny when I was there so I do know and feel that she was with me and I know I was in the right place at the right time but it was just very unfortunate that when you come out of something as intense and as spiritual as that is it's hard then to go back into loud noises and the hustle Mm. and bustle of the world and then discovering that my cousin passed and was buried by the time I came out and heard about it. So that was difficult. But then I had the tools from the meditation to kind of help me through that as well. So I do feel that it was another divine intervention.
1: <laughs> how old is your cousin? She
2: was in her early 20s. And how old were yeah, you? She was in her mid-20s. I was early 20s. Mm,
1: yeah. That's rough. Yeah.
2: There was a few years between us.
1: I mean, death is never easy, clearly, but when it happens to someone that's young and you are in that same age range, it's, it's very, very hard to deal with it. And I'm sure that for you not being able to even be there for any of it, it's, it was not easy. But at the same time, if we go for a divine plan, it sounds like you were being protected in some way.
2: Massively, and the lady I was
1: doing the Arveda course with, Laura,
2: she was um, a huge help to me through all that as well. Again, she gave me the tools to help with the whole grief and grieving, and introducing me to different um, mm. Tibetan ways and books and courses. and And then, unfortunately, she passed away a few years after that. So mm. again, it's that Aw. kind of you just feel like you're being guided. Mm. In a shit way, but guided <laughs> all the same.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes those bumps push you onto your path, right? Because if not, it's like a little bit like you were saying that you were in this yacht world and realizing like these people have so much money and live in a bubble that isn't real. And if you would have stayed there, you would have had a completely different experience. And, and like how you consciously in some way choosing something else Moves into a different path, and then all of this bumps mm-hmm. not move a little bit to the left, and that changes the whole path,
2: right? Massively. The people uh, that own the yachts and would be chartering them, they're reading books about how to be happy and, yes. you know, trying to be their best version, and all this. And they're trying to find what everyone else is finding, but it's unfortunate that they are sucked into a very unhealthy illusion
1: and you're feeling a void right like that's why more and more and more it's never enough
0: but it's like it's it's the illusion that we're all fed right that these unhealthy one is that you know yeah that's what you're supposed to do so you know and, and and then for those folks that buy into that and then achieve that it's no wonder that then they can just be then left sitting there like oh Okay, well, I did all these things. No, I have it all. I have it all, but I'm not any happier than I was.
2: One of the most wholesome things that happened when I was traveling in Rajasthan was a family who there was a a language barrier because they had no English and I didn't speak their language, but they actually took me in because the bus didn't arrive and then they fed me. They kept me for the night. We communicated non-verbally. And it was just, they had nothing, you know, like it was one of these households where granny and granddad were living in the same place as mom, dad and the four kids.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, there was uh, electricity was only on for a certain amount of hours and they were happy.
1: And generous, right? Mm -hmm. Like they they weren't
2: going to run out of anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh no, the bus isn't coming, but someone translated. And then they were like, no, no, come stay. And they gave me a sari, like they Mm -hmm. dressed me up in a sari and gave me like they had barely nothing. Mm -hmm. But the generosity and the love and the food was amazing. I bet. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's you know, that's why I adore seeing and experiencing cultures when you go to a country and not just kind of going like there's an Irish pub in every country in the world. (laughs) I avoid them like the plague.
1: Mhm. I don't want Argentina's to see the school kill, kill Kennys. <laughs> <Just Yeah. saying.
2: laughs> you know, that's not traveling for me.
1: If you're traveling the way that you're talking about, it's about making connections, right? And so if it's stepping out of your comfort zone and being able to meet the people where they are, and that's what's going to create an impact in each other's life. I bet that family is like, "Do you remember That Irish girl Mm -hmm. that stayed for the night, she was so nice, we were barely talking, they might be still laughing about it. And it creates an impact, like who knows if that kid in that family one day is like, I want to travel, or I want to go see the world.
2: I never thought of it like that, actually. But yeah, I talk about them, but I never thought that they'd be talking about me.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. No, you've you've form crazy connections that way. So my grandmother, she retired when she was 65 years old, traveled the world by herself. Amazing. She was the most frugal person you've ever met. Ever she was in youth hostels. And she met people and connected with them every single place. And she would, you know, write these letters. And then those people that she had met for one day you know, would then come and visit her. And <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is brilliant. Fair play to her.
1: Yeah. And that's a different time too. So good it for was her. A,
0: it was yeah. yeah, I mean it was the you know, if you got lost or if you needed information or anything, you used to be able to have to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. Everybody now is just, you know, yeah, staring at their the apps and following, yeah. you know, where they're supposed to go. I
2: still am very, um, I, I'd still prefer to actually talk to someone and get a feel for the place and ask a local, what would you recommend? Where would you recommend I go eat? And that's where I found best people oh yeah but it's like i'd still be very much off the phone and trying to explore as much as possible and ask i i do talk to locals a lot
0: did you
1: start your career because you said today that you had two patients so what what are you doing in ireland now so i am studying osteopathy i'm in
2: my fourth year um with every year of the qualification uh, every year you get a different qualification So, I'm currently an orthopedic sports therapist. Um, I do spinal manipulations, uh, kinesiology taping, and then kinesiotaping, apologies, and then dry needling and cranial sacral therapy. So, Mm. that's the tools in my bucket so far, along with the holistic side. And then by next year and a half, I will be doing a lot more visceral rib and pelvis, helping geriatric and pregnant ladies as well.
1: When you say the holistic part, you add, I'm assuming, Ayurvedic. Is there any other tools there in the toolbox that you bring out? I would do kind of
2: predominantly like Indian head massage. I don't really do kind of massage as such anymore, but I would incorporate it within the treatment. Thai massage as well. Again, it's kind of taking bits and pieces and then Lomi massage. Hmm. So it's kind of like that was kind of my background before I began osteopathy.
0: What's Lomi massage?
2: It's Hawaiian it's beautiful. If you ever come across or go to Hawaii, uh, come across a therapist, yeah, try it. It's beautiful treatment. Or come over to Ireland and you're welcome and I can give you a your treatment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <For> flights, <men. laughs> there we go. Travel book.
1: <laughs> Did you ever do any of the walks that your dad does? Are you involved with that at all?
2: Um, so when dad retired, I said, I don't think anyone should ever retire. Um, so because of my background and we were always doing charity walks together before we set up the business, I said to him, I was like incorporating injury prevention and the hiking. So we do yoga hiking events.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: and then we came up with the name and I wanted to do something personalized and me and dad have MW as our names. Uh, but then I used dad's initials, Morris Anthony Walsh to come up with mountain adventure walks. So it's kind of more of a, a family business, but it's like I say, dad's the master of his own diary. So I'd look after the admin and the advertising. We would do a lot of hikes together, but I pulled back hugely the last year and a half or so uh, just because college. And then I run my own two little clinics, one in Killarney and one in Glen Bay. So it's pretty full on.
1: Well, you're, a like, lot. you're. I was going to say, you sound like you have a lot going on, but also What you guys chose kind of comes together beautifully with your story, because walking from one place to another in these hikes includes a little bit of all of your past or little adventures, just being able, it feels like a traveler in every Mm. hike, in a way. It
2: is. And every, even if you do the same mountain 10 times over, every group is going to bring a different element to it. And also the weather is going to bring a different element to it. The elements play a huge part, especially in Ireland. It's a microclimate
0: mm. and
2: it is, it's, it's, a um, it's a way where obviously when you're running a group, you have a lot of responsibility and you're switched on the whole time. So you can't really just kind of stop and take a deep breath as often mm. as you'd like to, because you're making sure safety is first and then that they're enjoying it. Because even though it may not be the highest mountain in Ireland that we're climbing that day, we're still bringing that group to their highest mountain that they have to do you know so the yoga hiking events used to bring up a lot like some of the comments we would have come back with was we do gratitude stones so it's like you know place your gratitude into the stone or have it as a worry stone and leave it at the top of the mountain Hmm. and some people Hmm. found that very spiritual Uh, a huge release because you never know what someone's going through so kindness it's huge i that You don't know what they're putting into the stone and what they're leaving behind or what they're grateful for. But we've had incredible comments come back from that.
1: If you're going through something and then you take the time to yourself to go on this hike and then you have to work yourself through whatever it's you're going on in your head to quiet that story and you're trying to not fight whatever struggle and then finally make it to the end. So to be able to drop that off and come back, it probably feels lighter or like as if something got resolved, even though things are just the same. It's just the fact that you were able to disconnect from it for the duration of the hike.
0: And you yeah. guys giving people the mechanism, both the mechanism and the permission yeah. to do that is is pretty fantastic, right? Because that's what a lot of people... Need yeah need and want and just the validation of you know what here put all put all your gratitude into this stone or put all your worries into this stone and leave it release it it's that permission to release what you're carrying is really powerful
2: it is and the power of intention is huge and even when like so if I'm beginning a treatment with somebody I always ask them to focus on their breath and take three deep breaths. And with each breath, I ask them to give themselves permission to release, relax, and let go,
0: whatever Mm -hmm. no
2: longer serves them. So then they're consciously giving themselves permission to self-heal, which is one of the principles of osteopathy. So it's amazing how everything does tie in, but even climbing a mountain... Mm -hmm. is a metaphor for life you know we go through I can't do this yes you can one more step take baby steps don't take big steps Mm -hmm. breathe deeply
1: you know hydrate and I think also the fact that you're in nature there's like a connection to something bigger Mm -hmm. you're living this stone in nature with all your worries
2: it is Um, and it's it's amazing like because you know you're not looking at your phone you're observing what's around we make sure that People are mindful of like, you know, all right, guys, we're taking a breath, but look over there. Don't just look down at the ground. Take in your surroundings. And it is, it's it's a wonderful hobby, but it's a
0: lifestyle. For sure. Um, so Maddie, when do you feel the most powerful?
2: When do I feel the most powerful? I want to say, oh, when do I feel the most powerful? I've never been asked this question. I think when I feel I'm on the right path. You know, when I truly listen to myself and listen to the cues that I need when I go and I have a notion, I have many notions (laughs) and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But again, the ones that Marriott don't work out still lead me to where I need to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's I think when I feel more powerful is when I take a risk.
0: Because
2: even if it doesn't work out, it still works out.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Because there's this fake sense of, again, having any control on what the outcome is going to be versus living life, (laughs) which life is going to happen through you, whether you're controlling it or not. So this fake idea of control, take the risk, try to go for what you want.
2: And I'm very good at going um, head first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we love it. We love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. This, this is, is amazing. Yeah, lovely.
0: Yeah, I feel like that went really fast. I
2: agree. It's
1: been a, a like fifteen minutes.
2: It's been a trip around the globe for sure. Right? Oh
1: man! Next time, take us with you. You should start uh, doing them like globally. Your walks. I mean, you're you're busy and you have a plan, yeah. but it sounds like you can take your business globally.
2: There's a, a lot more red tape for that, and to be honest, it's a labor mm. of love. It's kind of something we'll always be doing as a lifestyle, anyway. And yeah. I'll always be doing it with my friends. And if we can make a, a career out of it every now and again, happy days. But my main focus would definitely be my osteopathy and bringing all that to the world. And that I would love to travel with as well.
1: It sounds like you're ready to take a risk as soon as you're done with your degree and try it. We can't wait to see what happens. Love it. Yeah. I I think osteopathy is not easy to find in lots of places, so it's good that you're... Mm.
2: Yeah, it's um, a very new concept in Ireland. Uh, In mainland Europe, most people would probably go to an osteopath before they go to a doctor, but it's vice versa in Ireland. They'd go to the doctor long before they would go to an osteopath. So thankfully, Ireland is waking up a little bit to looking after their health in the right manner.
0: You're an agent of change. That's in right. That way. I'm a chameleon.
2: <laughs> well, they do say, because we did a lot of work on resilience, though what the word resilience means and how to become resilient, because unfortunately a lot of people aren't as resilient as the generation before them are these days. And it is the ability to adapt mm. and not fear change or there was a few other bits I can't remember at all but I think adaptability is one of the most resilient things that you could do
1: and and you need resilience Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah you really do otherwise you're gonna be miserable your entire life yeah
0: perfect thank you thank you you.
1: have have a good night Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us on the journey of season one and season two. We can't wait to join you again for season three.
0: And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll know when new episodes are available.